Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, whatever time of dimension that you are in. This is your host, Chris. Welcome to Interstellar Frequency. Hello to you all that are listening. Hey, I had something that happened that was kind of interesting and pretty cool. I got an email that told me that I'm a high listener podcast or something, rather. That was kind of neat. Um, it was stating that I have very high numbers in Saudi Arabia. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, although it's really bizarre on the you know, the anchor side that it never tells you anything about anything, but yet when you get an email saying, hey, um, this is what you're at, and you're like under the top 30 of podcasts, it's like, really? <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Not famous in the, in the States or anything, that's no big deal, I know. But wow, a whole other country? Like, that's far out, man. I mean, like... Wow, um, somebody likes what I'm doing, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I, that, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless on that. That that is just too cool, way too cool. So, hello Saudi Arabia. I, I want to say hi, um, and thank you for listening and, and your friends and whoever else you have out there. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. You know, you know. It's, it's so cool that there are others in the world that are listening to this and seeing that, you know, and it's like, wow, that's so cool. It's reaching the far universes, or at least the Earth universe <laughs> of the social media platform. One day we'll be shooting this transmission across space, and it's not far from happening. Well, it's kind of already happening, but anyhow, I digress. Um, so this episode that I is a it's going to be a tough one um so bear with me um it's a lot to talk about and it's a really really emotional one and um i kind of have to i have to do it um so those of you that are not wanting to hear this you know then go ahead and you know fast forward into another episode or something or you know don't listen either or um this recording really is more for um my my children my kids so later on in life when they get a little older they they can look at a mistake that i did and um maybe learn something from this and and maybe never be able to do a mistake like this ever um yeah so i I just want to warn you now, um, it's a little emotional. So this recording is definitely for them and any others out there that want to hear this and maybe you can learn from it too. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into that. Thank you. 
So, this episode is about my mother. My mother, which her name, I believe at the time, was uh, Bonnie Lou Garner. I believe that's that's what it was. I, I could be wrong. I, I 100% don't remember. But I, I do remember a lot of times that they, they called her and they're like, Bonnie Lou! <laughs> which is kind of funny. I always thought, Bonnie Lou! Which, uh, I, matter of fact, I think there was a song out there that was actually called Bonnie Lou. Bonnie Lou! Bonnie Lou! Yeah. And it always reminded me of my mother when I heard that song back in the day. Some of you may remember that song. Um, and it's really adorable. I've actually uh, named my daughter Bonnie after my mother. And uh, the funniest thing was when she was in her first grade, her teacher actually had her nickname called her Bonnie Boo. Bonnie Boo. Every time she always saw her, she'd always say, Hi, Bonnie Boo. <laughs> little bonbon over here oh my god yeah now let me just describe you my daughter and there's so much similarities between her and grandma bonnie now my mother on the other hand had this furly hair and i don't remember i think it was mostly straight hairs what she always had straight long hair but most of anybody that ever saw her she had her hair curled up and because she always put curls in her hair her hair had this whole 70s 80s style hair do that was like bouncy place all over the place like like bonnie ray you know and, and uh, uh, uh oh my god the girls from um uh the bangles i had to think about that one walk like an egyptian um and some some of the other girls out there too uh you know the old style hairdo and the coolest thing being my daughter of you know born in 2015 and she's got this curly hair this like reddish golden brown hair mostly red really um just like her grandmother and she has the same type of a hairstyle as my mother. The only thing is, it's natural. <laughs> and it's so adorable because then she turns around and gets out of the shower and then she like, you know, swings her head back and forth like, and it causes this, this hair to just furl out everywhere. And it's really, really thin hair. So it's just really, you know, similar to the 80s style hair, dude. And she actually prefers it that way. And anytime we've ever put her in a ponytail or something like that, and yeah, she'll she'll sit there and she'll go in the ponytail, and then she rips out the ponytail. She won't she won't keep the ponytail. She gets rid of it, and it's just funny as hell. Especially when she's on her way to school, she rips out her hair and then she frills her hair back and forth and gets it all poofed up, and she's ready for school. <laughs> now, my mother. This is going to be very interesting. Um, very hard for me, so I do apologize um, to talk about this because it's a little emotional. A little bit. Um, 
just a tad bit. Um, Mom, Bonnie. God, she was such a wonderful woman. Oh my God, was she just adorable. And everybody loved Mom. Everybody loved Bonnie Lou. Everybody loved Bonnie Lou. Oh my God. She made friends everywhere she goes. I mean, she was like, she was so much into angels. I am so much like um, a belief that she was an angel, you know, because of how big her heart was. And it, it's, it's something is that she would turn around and give everybody whatever she they needed and give them clothes or money or whatever. She, she never was selfish at all that I could ever see. When she was a sober person. Now, on the other hand, mom, as well as many others out there in the world today, and even in back then we we go through these times in our life that become very very difficult of something that we do or we did and we can never forgive ourselves for and it's really hard to do mom on the other hand she had a drinking problem mom really could not let go of her cold duck <laughs> oh my god her cold duck I swear to god that company went out of business after mom passed away <laughs> oh my god I, I'm sorry yeah I don't mean to laugh but it is pretty funny for those of you that are hearing this you're gonna laugh about it cause you're gonna know what I'm talking about and any of you family members that are listening to my show that never say anything, hello, I love you, I miss you, and I wish you would call me and say, hey, I remember this. You know? Anyhow, mom always had her cold duck. I don't know what the hell is about cold duck. I don't like the taste. I like champagne, but I don't really like cold duck. Ugh. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. And... Mom was a partier, you know. She turned around and she would end up partying a lot. She always threw bunkos. She always had bunko at her house, and she got together with all her girlfriends, and they all did bunkos, and all the husbands and wives of of my father's, you know, co-workers, they were all girlfriends of each other, and it was a really close-knit family thing. You know, we all, all of us kids grew up together. And then once we hit high school, we all went our separate ways and did our own thing. And we were just like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go do this. And we just went our separate ways. We never really talked to each other or something. I don't, I never understood that. That sucks. Um, a lot of them followed in their further, further, wow, if I can get this right. A lot of them followed in their father's footsteps, and they went out and did exactly what their fathers did, which was an iron worker. I could not. Um, I had um, 
some severe problems when I was a baby. I ended up um, at like not even a year old. There was a 20 pound sledgehammer that was very big or 35 pound. It was a pretty big sledgehammer that my dad had. And I overexerted myself and blew out double hernias at infancy. I could barely walk. And I was all determined to carry this damn thing and never gave up. And I hurt myself. And from then on, I could never do what my father did. So I had to find another avenue of, of work. Otherwise, I probably would be an iron worker today. Um, but mom, on the other hand, we, we would have these get-togethers and these parties. Or mom would have these get-togethers and parties, right? Not me. I was just a little baby. I was like four, five, six or something like that. And, oh, God, I always loved it when Bunko was around. When Mom was hosting Bunko, oh, my God, I would get yelled at all the time. Go to bed! You know, that's, that's the way it was. And I was like, go to your room! Kind of thing. And I just, I would always come out, love up on everybody. It was like, hi! You know, being the adorable kid thing and just all the all the the girl adults that were over for Bunko would be like oh my god he's so cute <laughs> and I'm like can, can I have some of that I would be trying to sneak candy right because mom mom had these like bowls out for Bunko right he had different types of bowls of snacks and chips and you know it was a party Man, there was drinking, there were alcohol, and they were all having a party, and all the girls were together, and they were all doing their bunko thing. And that was so cool. They had all these little snacks and stuff, so I would sneak out and go grab my grab me some snacks and eat it and everything like that. Oh my god, did I get my butt whipped so many times. And every time I tried, I I, I would sneak out for a little bit, and then they would, you know, the other the mothers and stuff like that would hand me candy. Like, here, here, here. Go eat this in your room. Shh, don't tell your mom. <laughs> God, I was so bad. I was getting... I, I didn't have... I had my siblings, you know. They were there. They were there on and off. But when I was really, really little, I could barely remember it. Um, it was it was a hard time as a little, little kid um, to remember the siblings. Uh, because of the age group difference that we were. And um, so one thing about mom was mom was a partier. She loved to party. The only thing is when she partied and drank too much of her alcohol, she became Mr. High. Mr. High. And, you know, she was Dr. Jekyll at first, before the party. And then during the party, she became Mr. Hyde. And for those of you that may not know the reference, she got very, very vicious. And um, she always would almost start fights and want to kick everybody's ass. And mom was a spunky thing. Uh, that's what mom was, man. She was very, very, very spunky. She just, especially when she had a little liquid courage in her ass, she was ready to go. 
Like, come on. Come to find out, I discovered that we're um, Scottish. <laughs> I didn't know this. I'm actually 34% Scottish. So now that makes sense why mom was such a spunk when it came to alcohol. And I am 100% an alcoholic. I don't drink because of it. And I know this. And it runs in the Scottish family. Or at least my Scottish family. And yeah, I'm 34% Scottish. Actually, it may have gone up now. But that's what the uh, whole DNA testing thingy told me. And I was like, wow, that's a trip. But it makes sense why I like my alcohol. And that when I drink, I will drink until there's nothing left. I will drink every single bottle in the house. No matter what is alcohol, I will drink it until it's gone. And then I'll be depressed that it's gone and want more. So they have to hide alcohol from me. So therefore, I just don't drink. Um, I'll have a beer once in a while, but not often because of this. Now, mom, on the other hand, would drink and get super smashed and crazy. And she went through different things in her life, emotional stages of the alcohol, especially later on in life. Back then, during the party times, it wasn't so bad. It was bad, but it just didn't understand the badness to it. And, you know, the driving drunk and stuff like that. Um, she drank a lot. She drank like a fish. And she was always drinking. Um, and then, you know, the one thing I give mom credit for was that my father would get up at 2.30 in the morning every day. And basically, Grandma Bonnie would turn around every morning with dad, get up with grandpa, would get up at 2.30 in the morning with him, no matter how much she drank the night before and how messed up she was the night before, she would make him his sandwiches and stuff for work every single day he worked. She always got up with him, no matter how many bad fights that they had, no matter what had happened, he always had his lunch for that day for work. And yeah, you know, he'd leave at 2.30 in the morning and go to work and then not get home until about 8 o'clock at night. 32 years of that, he did. And, oh, wow. It, it's amazing. And yet, I'm proud of mom that she did that, even though that she had her faults and she did her things. And I can never today really understand why she would drink and why she would turn around and do what she does with the drinking and then get very, very mean. And this one time, I remember, I, w I was a lot older. I was like in teenage years and, you know, mom and dad had got a divorce and then 1999, pretty much, 98, 99 mom and dad got separated because dad was trying to get her help he was trying he i know this sounds bizarre right okay but if you remember correctly you know this is the late 90s so help wasn't really there not like it is today and i'm not blaming okay so let me just make that clear i'm not blaming by any stretch of the means that 
because it wasn't there, that's why she died. No, that's not why. But back then, things were different 30 years ago. And 25 years ago, if you want to you know, be precise. Um, we didn't have the, the support that we have today. You know, the technology that we have today has helped many, many others out there. And like, for example, I just saw something in the news in an email, email to me. And I was so proud to see it. It made me believe that there's still hope for our system. I know that that sounds bizarre for me to say, but this is my opinion. This is my personal opinion. You know, you can agree with it. You could disagree with it. However you would like, it does not matter. This is just my personal opinion, what I witnessed and saw, and I was glad to see. Now, here where I live, we have a little bit of problem with homelessness, homelessness, and people are, are trying to make it in the world, and yet there's many arguments, and I'm just going to stop that, okay? Whatever the reason, whatever the rhyme may be, it is what it is, and this is, you know, where it's at. Now, moving forward from here on, I could not believe what I witnessed the county do. The county reached out to them, physically went to their encampments, and helped them get relocated into a location where they can get a home, a place where they can get a roof over their place, you know, over their head. That's something you've never seen. I, I have never seen, especially in my county. I've never seen it, never witnessed it because they've been too busy with crime. They don't have time to do outreach. And at this moment in time, not that long ago, they did. They did an outreach for a lot of people and send them on their way to rebuilding their life. And witnessing that and seeing it, not through the news media. I didn't see it through the news media. I actually received it through an email through a, a, a news feed from the county, per se. And I was filled with joy seeing that the, there's hope for the government system, that they actually reached out to them to say, hey, let's help you. We're going to move your stuff. We're going to help you and send you on your way to getting cleaned up and helping you find a place to live. And so many different programs out there to get off the, the booze or the drugs or whatever it is that they're on, hey, we're going to help you. Now, only if that was there like that for my mom back in the day, maybe she'd still be here today. I'm sorry. It's a little emotional. Now, there was a, there was a time I, uh, during the time that my mom and my dad were going through the separation because there wasn't really much help to get mom help and we were trying to scare mom into basically stop drinking. The only problem is when they call it a disease. It's a disease for a reason. It's a dis-ease of something. 
And so dad and I had thought, because dad had already, he had already been at home for quite some time. Okay, so back in 1997, he got rear-ended by a semi-truck on the freeway and damn near almost killed him. It's a miracle that he's alive. And then he was completely, basically mentally paralyzed and physically paralyzed where he can no longer do his job as an iron worker. And it changed our life um, forever, really changed my life forever. Because of what was happening at home with mom, things weren't so well as, you know, later in the late 90s. And dad was always working to pay bills and make things happen. So he wasn't seeing and witnessing what was happening at home like I was seeing and witnessing what was happening at home. And there was a lot to it. There was a lot of things I was seeing. And that's neither here nor there neither here nor there as of right now and it's not that big of a deal but it's bygones of bygones and it's happened and happened and there's nothing else that could be of what it is it is what it is it happened now that being said um dad was home and started witnessing a lot more things that mom was doing and realizing, okay, we need to figure out ways to fix mom or we need to figure out a way to help her get help. So we were trying different things and we even tried a, like an outreach program that was to help her, you know, uh, sobriety I guess or something like that and it was really a very horrible place we, we reached through the church at the time and tried to get her help through there and at this point mom was already mom and dad had been divorced they had gotten a divorce dad bought her a place with his money he bought her a home and paid for her living conditions in a, uh, a trailer park. And it was a lot cheaper for him and her. And she had this beautiful little home. It was really, really cool. And mom had her peace with that place. Um, and I made new friends. Uh, that was really cool. I mean, it wasn't like the end of the world of mom and dad separating going and living in different locations and no longer under the same roof but both dad and I after had witnessing so many things that we had witnessed we thought it was a better idea yes let's put mom over here <laughs> because we already had tried to reach out and get help and we just we couldn't you know me being a little kid at the time didn't really know what to do was barely understanding things not like once you're a teenager you kind of have a little bit more understanding back then I was not I was still a young child and so I was still learning things uh, later on when I started becoming a teenager that's when I discovered some more things about things and understood and one of the times that I thought was so funny was when 
mom and dad had separated, one of my buddies I had met at the uh, trailer park at the time. He, uh, oh man, I that that's a that's going to be a story in itself. That I'll introduce that one. That one has that's going to be a good story. That's a good story. Anyways, um, what had happened was. Dad and I and my sister and me, we all went to one of my sister's um, uh, things. It was like uh, healing global wounds or something. It was a Native American tradition praying for the planet. And, of course, I ended up missing school on that one. And that kind of sucked, but we went. And so I was experiencing a whole other culture of, um, you know, beliefs. Uh, I'm pretty much a well-rounded individual when it comes to belief system and everything because of so many different cultures that I was experiencing at the time. I had so many different types of um, uh, understanding of like a religion or something. I I don't know what spirituality or whatever the hell you want to call it. It is what it is. I've just experienced many different, different things. And Native Americans... Uh, had a very, very strong belief, especially in the Western Shoshone uh, land, as one, one air, one water, one mother earth, and we all need to take care of it because this is all we got. That was their belief. And one air, one earth, uh, one air, one water, one mother earth, and we really need to take care of her because. If we don't, we will no longer be here. Good lesson. Now, at the time, my my buddy had, uh, I guess, went with my mother because my mother asked him, "Hey, man, um, why don't you go with me?" Name was Keith. Sorry, Keith, I'm putting you on blast, but tough shit. Okay. Because it doesn't work any other way but putting your ass on blast. So here you are. You're on blast. And she takes him out. Says, hey, let's go to a round table or something like that. This is some pizza joint, I think. So they go. She buys him food. She didn't want to be by herself. She didn't want to go by herself. So she asked him to go with her. And, you know, that was cool. Um, so they go and get food. He buys her food and everything, and he went with her. And he was a teenager at the time. And the crazy thing was, mom got a little plastered. <laughs> not just, not like a little. No, no, mom Mom got plastered, like, a lot. And right there towards the end, she was definitely drinking a little more than normal. And the uh, most funniest thing was, she turned around and got so plastered that he had to drive her home. She couldn't drive. She's like, are you okay to drive? <laughs> Have you driven before? <laughs> so he's like, yeah. You know, I mean, it wasn't like he was in the process, I believe, of getting his permit or something like that. He, he had already pretty much driven many, many times. He'd drive around. I couldn't believe it. He was already driving around the park because his pops helped do the maintenance on the park. So he was already driving, you know, vehicles and stuff at the time. So it wasn't his first rodeo. 
It might have been his first rodeo driving on the streets, but yeah, he did all right. I think it wasn't his first time doing that. But anyhow, he drove all. Instead of driving all the way to her house and parking the car, <laughs> which was a stupid mistake on his part, <laughs> now looking back as a, a you know a teenager's side, he drives all the way to his pop's house and his mom's house at the time and parks the car at their house. <laughs> looking back, hindsight 2020, we talked about it and was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. I should have parked it at your mom's house. And I'm like, yeah, huh? That would have that would have been my thought. Not to let her drive back. It's only down the street. <laughs> she turns around, parks the car, or he parks the car. He's like, okay, you're going to be okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. Thanks, thanks. I'll, I'll talk to you later, okay? You know, all giggly and bubbly and all that. So she gets on the passenger's side, crawls around in the driver's side. Well, the neighbor next door is getting ready to go and leave for work or something. So mom goes to back out at that present moment in time. As he's backing out at that present moment in time, and she hits him in the side quarter panel of the car. She's like, stops the car, puts it in park, starts screaming. Keith, help me, Keith, help me, help me, Keith, help me. Panic stricken, freaking out, right? The dude comes out of the car. He's a little upset because she just smacked him. He gets out of the car and says, what the hell did you do to my car? And he starts, like, blowing up at mom. <gasps> That's the wrong thing to do to mom. Mom don't take kindly to that, especially under liquid courage. She takes off her seatbelt. Keith is watching this. She comes barreling out of the car. She's just losing her shit on him. And Keith is watching this like, oh my God. <laughs> and still to this day, both him and I Crack up about it. It is one of the most funniest things ever. Ever, ever, ever. Now, I'm going to rewind back a little bit. Per further. Well, yeah. No, it's actually forward from there. During this, this time frame that this all was going on and mom was that way um I had found like dad was wasn't seeing anybody you know mom and dad were still together even though they got a divorce mom and dad were were still very much in love and dad was with her literally until death do them part no matter what the piece of paper said that they got a divorce it was never really a divorce in neither their hearts because when they were going through their divorce in the courtroom um, both of them were holding each other's hands and the judge is like you know this is one of the strangest divorces I've ever done 
is what he tells him. And the judge looks at them. They're sitting side by side with each other, holding each other's hands. Almost like as if the most inevitable, painful experience is about to take place. And the judge says, you know, never in my life with my years doing this have I ever experienced this, and this is my very first one. And I seriously have to ask you guys, the way you are sitting there holding each other's hands while we are going through these proceedings, are you really sure that you want me to divorce you? That's what the judge asked them. Because they really loved each other. And so that was hard for them to go through because they really loved each other. But they both looked at each other, looked back at the judge and said, yes, I think it's best this way. And they did it because of the drinking. I think mom did it more so that way she had peace of mind of her own place. Or maybe I don't know why mom did it, but mom agreed to it. They both agreed to it. And that was the decision when I had, I ended up having a lawyer and I had to decide who I was going to stay with. And at the time, my father wasn't, wasn't well and wasn't 100% um, able to make decisions, per se, uh, coherent, logical decisions as, a, as an adult. Because 1997, he ended up having that accident and was still trying to recover from that mentally because his head got smashed in and he had a severe brain trauma where he lost all of his short-term memory still to this day he lost his short-term memory the only way he's able to remember anything is the fact that it has to be put into long-term memory so he has to repeat it over and over to himself so he can put it into his long-term memory because his short-term memory would be we're talking about this conversation i've now forgot what we talked now you go back and say hey what were we talking about he doesn't know he won't remember because the part of the brain that got damaged in the trucking accident got smashed the brain literally got smashed he has a flat spot on the back of his head and that was the part where the short-term memory was so he cannot remember anything short-term it has to be long-term and him being 76 years old, no, I'm sorry, correction, uh, sorry, that was 74 years old as of right now, soon to be 75, oh my god, um, yeah, I think 75, um, so, mom, she still continued to drink. A lot and it wasn't it wasn't very easy for us and dad and I and I um, I started searching for women per se I started searching women for women kind of like the, the movie which gave me the idea um, sleepless in Seattle one of the great movies um, I'm sorry. Um, a little difficult. So, I was a lot like 
Jonah, where I was kind of trying to find a woman for dad at the time. And I don't know, I don't know why, you know, being a little kid, you're, you're sitting here junior high kind of looking for another woman to help fill mom. And I did, I, I found one. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's my, uh, my godmother. And I love her so much. And she, she stepped in when I met her in junior high. I had no idea that back then she was even going through some problems of her own in her life. And it's amazing how life happens like that, where you end up finding each other when you're going through your own problems and you don't even know that all of a sudden now you're put in the presence with someone else that is going through the same exact kind of thing that you're going through. She was kind of on the verge of going through a divorce. Not yet, but it was getting close. Things weren't so well. And she was taking care of one of the, the kids at school. Um, he, he had uh, cerebral palsy. No, I'm sorry. She had cerebral palsy. It was, it was a friend of mine. I love you and miss you so much. Both of you. And they were kids that were in wheelchairs. And she took care of them. And, you know, they were my friends. And, God, they, their hearts were just filled with, with joy and peace. Oh, my God, it was so wonderful. The amount of love and shine that they did. Anyway, she had taken care of one of them. And when I saw her and how she, she lit up the room and everything, I said, can you be my mom? My straightforward question. I asked her that. That day, I really melted her heart when I asked her that. And then when she asked me about my mom, Bonnie Lou, <laughs> I kind of clammed up and I couldn't really talk about it too much. It was a sensitive, sore subject. And, you know, because when I was a kid, I was dealing with glass being thrown in the house and glass fixtures and things and very violent with um, you know, mom disagreeing with something or something so she would chuck some glass across the room and I'd have to hide underneath things and you know a lot different you know something that I don't want my kids experiencing so therefore there's no drinking or drugs or anything in my house 
because I don't want them to experience that life that I went through when I was a kid. And I'm not saying my life was very, very bad or anything like that, um, because that would be ignorant to say. But I know that there are others out there that have gone through something similar or worse or not so worse that barely had anything bad that but in their world it was a catastrophe to each his own that's what they say when i was a kid going through that i was on a, a little bit of a suicidal thing happening as a young kid with my mother because i thought i was the cause of the problem so i started to try to hurt myself as a kid and was a little suicidal as a kid who would have ever thought you don't really know what's happening behind closed doors at home and till evidence later you find out now that being said with today's society those of you that are here in the states i don't know about the rest of the world if you are having problems at home, whatever that problem may be, if there is feeling of some sort that you have of suicide, please, please don't. Nothing ever comes good of it, especially for those that love you. Because even though that you think you're alone, you're really not. And there are those out there that love you very much. I want you to call the number. It's a suicide prevention hotline. Call 800-273-8255. Again, that number is 800-273-8255. Please, please call that number if you ever feel like you are wanting to take your own life. Because honestly, no matter what time of dimension that you're in, there is still much work for you to do. Whether it's helping that other person that had no one else to, whether it is doing something that you are very, very important task that you have to do, here I am talking about this on my show, and I don't know why, but this is where we're at. Call that number. Please, please don't ever do it. There is still so much work to do on this planet, and we've got a lot of things that we got to do and work together to make this a better place. There's a great saying in one of those beautiful books that say, on earth as it is in heaven. I still believe that that is still possible because more and more every day I start to see it unfolding. It doesn't seem like it's all that coming to an end like everybody believes. I'm seeing the good of things happening where it is on earth as it is in heaven. If that makes any sense to you. Now, there was times I was doing some things and my father had caught me, so he stopped me from doing that. He 
got very upset with me, and he couldn't figure out why. And then he started figuring out more and more and started looking into more into my life of what's going on and why is things happening the way they were, why I wasn't able to read and write, why I wasn't able to understand like other kids. A lot of things was happening in my life back in elementary school. And that's when he discovered a lot of things about my mom. So, fast forwarding, I had done something and I already hit the teenage years. I'm like, you know, okay, mom, whatever. You know, you get told to do something. And you're like, Neh. whatever, mom. You have that, you have that, you, as my brother says, oh, your balls just dropped. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I'm just quoting. Give me a break. But that's, you know, I guess something that they call hitting puberty. Now, later on, I had asked my godmother, I said, would you be my mom? And she's like, oh. So then she kind of started, you know, like, you know, checking things out. And mom and dad were not so well doing well together and then she had went through her problems and stuff like that and she ended up getting divorced and then moved out and yeah so her life was going through a tormental time at the same time mine was the only problem is what had happened right there towards the end of my mom's life she was drugged by an individual that I believe this to be the truth. And if anybody else has any other types of agree uh, disagreement with me, kiss my ass. This is what I witnessed, and this is what I saw, and this is my opinion. What had happened was that time that mom had stopped drinking for almost on three weeks at this point and this was this was a big improvement it was a blessing it was really a blessing and she went back to her house and it was a real cold winter kind of thing right around the same time as we are right now in the coldness of the high desert where i live and she was on her way from our house she went back over to her house to go pick up some clothes to spend the night at our house and um, we were like yeah yeah you know mom and dad were doing it we would do that periodically we would go stay at her house then she'd come over and stay at our house we never really were separated as a family we were together but not together it was weird arrangements um, until she started drinking and it was like bye you know anyhow she had went back stopped by McDonald's to get some food and there was this lady outside with her baby it was very very cold and she was using this baby as a, uh, a catch hook line and sinker uh, to prey on other people and never mind her reasoning 
behind it. It is what it is. It's in the past. It happened. It is what it is. And this lady was not too good of an individual at the time and was going through problems herself and stuck on possibly drugs or whatever it is that she was doing. Mom took her back to her place because it was cold and she didn't know where else to take her. So being the kindness person that she is, this is what she did. She took her back to her place. Then she calls dad and says, hey, you know, this lady, I, I took her to my house because she has a little baby and I don't know what to do with her. And, and I want to help her, but I'm kind of afraid, you know, I don't want to let her baby die and da 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 da. Karma's a bitch, that's all I gotta say. And I'm more than likely this woman received her karma from this. That's all I have to say about that one. What had happened was when she turned around and called dad, I told dad something's wrong. Don't let that woman come to our house. No. And I had this strong intuition hitting me telling dad to tell her no don't let her come to our house stay there with her let her stay with mom let's stay over there i was very worried about security and safety and i had this strong tuition about it turns out my tuition was right what had happened was that this lady started to drug my mother whatever it may be and made my mother sick she had already liver disease at the point, I think, at that time. And then her kidneys failed. And she had cirrhosis of the liver. They never did do an autopsy of the cause of death, which is something I think I wish they would have done. I'd have to research it to this day, but whatever it may be, it is what it is. I feel something was very wrong with this woman because we got a phone call from mom's friend that lived at the trailer park and said hey something's wrong with her she bonnie is asking for help she needs help this woman is stealing her car and driving away with it and da da da, da. so there was a lot more to the story behind what happened to mom it wasn't just her drinking herself to death it was kind of like somebody helping her meet her demise a lot faster and that's what happened. So we went and rescued mom after when mom kind of sobered up and called us. The lady was gone with her car. We turned around and ended up uh, getting mom back to the house. She was very, very sick. And she was very, very yellow at the time. It was already pretty much too late. And mind you, mom had been in and out of the hospital. And the doctor's telling her, you need to stop drinking. You can't do this no more. This is, this is very bad for you, Bonnie. You're, you're almost to the point of no return. And I'm sorry about this. This is a very hard story to tell. So it's a little difficult. Um, what I had lived through at that moment in time, when we picked her up, I was already friends with my godmother at school. I already had her phone number and she said, call me anytime, something's wrong. 
Call me. Okay. At that moment in time, I was pretty upset with Mom because this wasn't her first trip to the hospital. I just thought it was another trip. I was a teenager at the time. And what had happened was I turned around and said to her something that I could never regret. I, I could never, that I regret to this day that ever came out of my mouth as a child, a young adolescent teenager. I said she was on her way to the hospital leaving because her, her brother was coming to pick her up. And I said, I fucking hate you, mom. I said those words. Not goodbye, I love you. No, I fucking hate you. And then she went and died. That's something that I could never take back. Although I want to. It's taken me 30 years to get over that. I'm sorry. This is difficult, like I said. But... There's a strong point here. What? It's taking me a long time to understand things. And what I did understand from my godmother, I had called her that night, that afternoon or whatever it was, that mom was going to the hospital to die. And I said, hey, I need you. Please, would you come here? Something's wrong with mom. And dad has to take her down the hill or something. Take her to the hospital. I don't know what it was. He was doing something. And I needed you. Can you please come? She did. She showed up to the door. At the moment, that Karen I'm sorry to say her name but this is how it is Karen you showed up and mom was on her way out and what had happened at that moment was mom looked at her and mom already knew about her because I was very fond of her in school. And I talked to mom about her. So mom knew who this woman was. At one point in time, mom thought that she was after her man. <laughs> that was mom. She thought, she thought that something was up with that. And then come to find out that wasn't the truth. She discovered that, no, it was actually about more about me than it was her her old man. <laughs> and um, during the time that they met each other 
And it was the first time that they ever met each other, I believe. I could be wrong. Don't hold me to it. But I think this was the first time that they ever met. Mom was on her way out the door of my dad's house. And at that moment, Karen was on her way in the door. And they met each other at the door threshold of the house. And I didn't know this until years and years later. And I discovered this. Years later, mind you. Damn near almost 20 years later. I find out that mom says to her, Karen, please, please, please take care of my boy. Be there for him. Because I cannot. Yeah. Uh, it's a little, a little emotional. I apologize. But once this is, when, once this is said and done, it's done. So therefore, it'll be a lot more easier to talk about mom. <laughs> so I guess this is mostly a story for my children. This is why I said what I said. Hate a very strong word and you should never say I hate you or anyone else because it is truly not a good word to say I dislike that I dislike this but I truly hate something is never good that's what I hope my children will understand it's never been a good word for me and it's taken me many, many years to forgive myself for saying what I said to my mother. That I hate you. I fucking hate you. And then turn around. Almost 35 years old. 34 years old. I finally came to forgive myself. For my mom. For saying that to my mother. Something that I could not take back. Because she was already gone. <laughs> Later on, I am told by Karen that mom told her to watch over me, be there for her, help me in life through her to get better in my life. And oh my God, I love both of you so very much Mima and Grandma Bonnie both of you because I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for the both of you the moral of this story of mine to my children all four of you. If there's ever a time that you feel that I have ever done you wrong or mom has ever done you wrong, please tell us. 
come forward and tell us about it if we've messed up because being a parent you really don't know what you're doing you're winging it all along the way and you're only trying to understand as a parent to be only a better one than your previous parents were and you strive for that so if you ever find yourself in that situation where life is very very hard and it's tumbling down on you and if you just disappeared and ended all and you won't be in pain no more just know that you will cause many more pain than you could ever imagine to everyone else that loves you and there are others out there even though that you may not talk to them and you may not be able to speak with them on a daily basis they love you and they're always thinking about you so do not ever feel that you need to just end it because if that was true guess what you're not meant to be here in the first place and you would have never existed if you weren't meant to be here so why not hang in there a little longer and try to figure out why you were here why were you here in the first place to help someone else or do something that was important or what because there is some reason why we all are we all are here it may not be what we understand and we will probably never understand it but we can only ever hope to understand why we are here and I think maybe I've kind of started to understand why I'm here. Maybe it could be because I need to get these so-called podcasts out or whatever it may be. I don't quite know. Or just help others. But if you ever feel like you're in that time that you want to just let go and never do this no more, Please call that 1-800 number. 1-800-273-8255. Please call. Back long ago, I didn't have this number. I couldn't call this number. I didn't even know this number existed. But I want to do a huge shout out to Nickelback. I know that sounds bizarre, but guess what? Lullaby, the song Lullaby from the Here and Now album is what saved my life. It truly did because I was down that road once. And a lot of times, most of every one of us has been there. Thank you, Nickelback, for what you have done. You saved my life. Even though you couldn't get me on the phone. 
That's all I have for you. Until next time. is interstellar frequency end of transmission, transmission. transmission.